Hey lovelies, before we get started, I wanted to give you a quick update on the most comfortable mask. I designed and created a breathable, comfortable, non-medical mask to get us all through this summer. The Berry Pop tie-dye is sold out, but I still have Pink Lemonade and Pool Blue in stock. Those are also tie-dye, they're hand-dyed, they're stunning. There are also solid colors coming at the end of this week. Follow along on Instagram at impact.fashion.myc to know exactly when the solid masks are out. I have black, light gray, and burgundy coming in. Get the mask by going to impactfashionnyc.com and selecting mask from the main menu. I've also put together a little packet on the secrets your tailor won't tell you. These are the tips and tricks that make shopping easier and will let you know if you're being overcharged for alterations. The link to get that is in the show notes, which you can access by swiping up on the cover art. Thanks for all your support and enjoy the show. From Impact Fashion, it's Be Impactful, a show about the women making a difference in their own corners of the world. I'm Rifkia Squitz, and on today's show, I talk with a fashion blogger and mom about how she adopted her adorable little boy, what her infertility journey looked like, and how she reacted when her husband decided he was done with the church they grew up in. to know Carrie Mount professionally. She's a popular blogger in the modest fashion space and she has promoted impact fashion in the past. Side note, she is really lovely to work with. It was when I started following her more closely and learned more about her story and her son and how her family came to be that I realized just how special she really was. As a little kid, I grew up in church. Um, my mom started uh, taking us, me and my brother, when we were two and three. Um, she raised us in church on her own. Um, we grew up playing music. Um, I learned to play the drums at five years old. That's awesome. Um, we sang in the choir, um, and basically just really got involved in our church and we had a church school there. So, um, yeah, that was, that was a lot of it. Lots of church and just, you know, normal stuff as a kid. Right. Just like a really church focused life. Yes. Can I ask what kind of church it was? Like what um, denomination? Yeah, it was Pentecostal. Oh, I know some Pentecostal people. Um, do you know Leah Fole? She's the fitted gem. Yeah, I actually follow her. Um, I've not I'm, met her in person, but yeah, I know a lot I'm about her. I'm such a big fan of her. She's awesome. Yeah, she was also on the podcast. Yeah. Um, and she, she was sharing her story of like fitness and, and all of that. I'll link her episode in the show notes for anyone who wants to hear it. Um, so, so you grew up in the church. You actually have the story that we're going to talk about is something that you've spoken about before. Um, and there is a, a video up on your YouTube channel that I am going to link in the show notes so that anyone who wants to hear it can, um, you know, hear it and, and see you, see you in, in a video as well can, uh, can go there. And, um, and it's the story of how your family came to be, which is a little bit unconventional. Um, and you, um, you, you and your husband, you, you say in the story, we're high school sweethearts and I'll let you take it away from there. Yeah, we, um, we actually started, we've always known each other. Um, we grew up together in the church and we started talking a little bit when we were 14 and 15 years old. Um, we just basically talked on the phone. My mom wouldn't let me date him until, <laughs> until we got our life. Sounds like my mom. <laughs> and then all that. Yeah. <laughs> Typical mom. <laughs> 
but um, we started dating and we dated for about four and a half years and we got married at 18 and 19. Um, and let's see, we were married about two years when we um, talked about starting a family. So we tried for, I want to say four or five years before we went to see a doctor. Um, and even though we went to see an infertility specialist and did a few treatments, um, nothing was, was working and they really didn't have an answer as to why we couldn't have children. Um, so we kind of backed away, the bills were stacking up and it was just an emotional roller coaster. And I'm like, okay, I need to stop what we're doing. I need to refocus. I need to do something different. <laughs> so at so, this point, I, I, I want to pause for a second. When you say you're married at 18 and 19, I'm assuming that you were the 18 year old, right? Yes. So at this point you're 24. Um, yes. you've, you've been to doctors, you've done these treatments. What were the four years before you decided to go see a doctor? What was that time like? Those four years when you're trying and you're like, things are not working, but also you don't know why they're not working. What were those like uh, for you and for you guys as a couple? It was, honestly, it was very hard. Um, I was so young. I wanted to go see a doctor, but I was, I just one of those people that are, that's very private about life. Um, I didn't have anyone to talk to because none of my friends were going through the through this um i didn't i didn't know what to do but it was a really tough time and i got very depressed unfortunately um and i fell on my face a lot just praying like you know why us why can't we conceive and i and that's when i mentally had to go see a doctor because i needed to know why right yeah you needed you needed to put the to put the pieces together how um it, I mean, it's, it's crazy because you like, I'm 25 now. So I'm like the age that you're at in this story right now, it seems it's like, wow, it's like someone who's my age and is, and is super confused and in that really, really dark spot of not knowing what's going on. And at this point, you know, after you go see doctors and you go through a couple treatments, you realize you, you know, we don't know what's going on, but we just know that we, that this is not going to happen for us. Yes. So yes. what happens next? So we waited, um, let's see. So my son is six years old. Um, we're getting ready to celebrate 19 years of marriage. Congratulations. Uh, oh, thank you. So we waited a really long time, um, before we decided to even look into foster care. We just, you know what, we're going to travel, we're going to work, we're going to do, we're just going to do things and try to get our mind off of not being able to have children. And I was almost to the point where I just accepted it, you know, like, right. It's just not God's will for us to have kids. And I just, I have to get over this or it's going to take me under, you know, I was to that. Right. No, Um, I'm sure that's a, that's a really devastating thought when, when you're, I, I'm trying to wrap my brain around it and it's so, so, and it's the, the thing that, that sticks out for me is when you make the decision, when you make the decision that you're not going to start, that you're not going to continue with treatments. Cause there are plenty of people who do treatments for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. Um, and some are eventually successful and some are not. Um, what, 
what was that what was that decision like for you what was that process like for you um I just we were like I said we were just so young um we kind of just ran out of money and the, the bills were piling up and I kind of felt trapped you know like we can't we can't go on with any more treatments. Um, I did a couple of really painful ones and um, I was just done mentally. And we actually um, came in contact with a family that had uh, a little two-year-old, two-year-old little girl. Um, some things were going on in her life and she needed, she just needed a couple that could take care of her on the weekends. And, um, for whatever reason, we came in contact with them and we would get her on the weekends. And at that point, um, I realized that I could love someone else's child. And that was kind of my turning point. Um, that kind of led me to think maybe we can adopt a child. And it kind of gave me hope if that makes sense. That makes perfect sense to me because mm -hmm. it seems like such a foreign concept to take in someone else's child and raise them as your own. It's not so simple, mm -hmm. you know, it's not, you, it's yeah. not guaranteed that you'll have an automatic emotional connection. Sometimes I see other people with their kids and I'm like, thank God that's not my kid because they're being crazy or whatever. And, yeah. you know, and you don't, you don't automatically assume that you would connect with that person. Um, yes. So what did you, what, what were the, what were the next steps like? What was, um, what was the, the process like for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, after we, we got this little girl on the weekends for a little while and I realized, you know, um, maybe this could be a possibility. Unfortunately, she went back with her mom and my heart was broken, but it, it still gave me hope. And so we waited a little bit longer and we talked and I was just in prayer and, um, and I started doing research online and this um, particular agency just kind of was I was kind of drawn to them and I gave them a call and they sent me the information um and when I got the packet in the mail it was a Christian agency it had the scripture like on the front that talked about whoever welcome, welcomes a child um, into their home is welcoming me and as soon as I read that scripture um I just started crying and I knew, and I could just feel God in the room. And I knew that I was going in the right direction that he needed me to go. Um, and then from there we started, you know, taking the classes and stuff. Um, but that, at that point, when I got that packet, I, I just, I knew, you know, this is it the path we're right. supposed to take. Yeah. What, when you say that you started taking classes, what kind, like if I would, if I were to just have a baby, I don't get a manual. Like how, what, what right. kind of classes are there? Are they? So we um, took classes to become licensed foster parents. We didn't go through a private adoption agency where you just go straight to adoption and then the, the, the parents pick you. We went um, to foster with the intent of adopting. Um, so we, we had to get licensed in our state. And we took classes for probably three months, pretty consistently every week until we got our license. And then at that point, you, you basically just wait on the agency to call you with a child. So does, when you set out to become foster parents, does that mean that, like, is there a way to indicate that you, like, that you want a certain age or that yes. you, um, and how do you, and 
with a with a going forward of adoption like because when i think of foster parenting i think of kids who you unfortunately hear that like cycle from home to home or Mm -hmm. um are not um you know are like end up floating around a little bit um i don't necessarily think of some of someone ending up in one space and that becoming their home yes um so when you go to get licensed uh they basically have a profile with all of your wishes and we wanted a baby um so we put two and under. And when you go in to get licensed, they will ask you if you're going to just be a foster, if you want to just be a foster parent, or if you want to foster to adopt. So there's two different categories. Um, so, you know, we went in that direction and we just prayed, honestly, like there's, there's no guarantee, but there are a ton of babies out there that need adopted too. So you kind of just got to walk in faith when you first go in that direction, honestly, um, and just hope for the best. Right. So you indicate your wishes. You say, you know, we'd like to foster to adopt. We want this baby two years or under. And then you just wait. Yes. You, you just wait. You can get a call at 2 a.m. in the morning. You can get a call in the afternoon. Like you just, whenever that child comes into the system, they have to find a home. And then that's when they go to the foster um, families, homes, you know, and they look at their profiles, see what their wishes are, and then you will get contacted. We actually was contacted two other times before our son, the one that we got to adopt. And we missed a phone call. And they, and then the second one, they ended up choosing another family. Um, so God had blocked two doors before we got our son. Wow. So how long was it from when you completed the classes and were licensed to when you even got that first call? So the, let's see. So the classes took about three months and um, our first call was probably within a month. That's not too bad. Yeah, it wasn't bad at all. And then, and then how long until you got the call about your son? Um, I believe it was about three months. Okay. That's okay. I thought you were going to say like five years. Oh, no. I don't know why I thought that was going to be the number. (laughs) Yeah, it happened so quick and it was just amazing. Um, in foster care, which I don't know if you want this information out there, but in foster care, um, they kind of look at the track record of the mother, and if she's had other um, kiddos in the system, and they kind of already know that they've been adopted, they will move along a lot faster with this next t- next child, and that's exactly what happened with our son. They, they kind of came, once we picked him up from the hospital, we were told, like, we already know how this is going to go. Are you interested in adopting him? Right. Like we, we, this is, this is not the first time that this mother has uh, unfortunately needed to put a child in the system. Yes. So does your, do you have any contact with your son's siblings? Uh, we have contact with one of them. Um, she was d- adopted about a year and a half before we adopted Owen and um, they were actually contacted first and they were they actually had another child like it just wasn't good timing um so they contacted us but yes we do have 
um, contact with his older sibling. They've met, they've had play dates, but they just, they don't know. Right. Well, also we should mention that Owen is little. Yes. You know, you, yeah. You said that he's six. He's um, six. So how old is uh, his older sibling? She is going to be, I think she's going to be eight. Okay. So little kids, like they'll yeah. figure this out when they're much older, when they, you know, can even understand what, what that means for them. Correct. Yep. So when you get the call that Owen is looking for a home, what goes through your mind when you get that call? Um, I was super excited, frozen, nervous, <laughs> all of the above. But um, it was it was amazing, actually. <laughs> Sounds like every good mom. <laughs> So, uh, so um, do you just go to the hospital and pick him up? So when you, when you first get your phone, phone call, you have to go down to children's services and you have to fill out paperwork because they're getting, you know, all this information straight that this child is now going to be in your home and you have to sign some legal documents. And then, yeah, you just you go up to the hospital and they're waiting for you and you pick him up. He was five days old when we got him. Wow. That's a real newborn. Yeah. He was, oh, he was so cute. He was like the most handsome little man in there. And I was like, I hope that's the one we get to bring home. <laughs> and I had no idea. I mean, you go into this nursery, they're, they're full of children. You don't know which one. Right. You don't, you don't want to accidentally fall in love with the wrong one. Yeah, exactly. But it turns out she spun him around and she said, this is the little guy you get to take home. So, yeah. Wow. Wow. That's it's crazy because sometimes you know sometimes things just connect and and you connected with him immediately mm -hmm. did you yeah. have everything that you needed at home like did you have a crib and diapers and a car seat and because you know if you're pregnant then you know what's happening and you have nine months to prepare mm -hmm. and like get the nursery ready and all of that did you did did you have that set up already we did and that um that's a requirement when you get licensed that you have a room prepared for this child for that age group so yeah, the whole nursery was set up. We did it in neutral colors because we, we didn't know if we would get a boy or a girl. Um, so we were completely prepared. Wow. So what was it like to take Owen home that first night? Um, I was still in shock, but it was, it was amazing. We had family there celebrating. Everyone wanted to meet him. It was different though, because, you know, he was our first child. We had never been parents before, <laughs> but um. <laughs> It, it was a great feeling, and I just knew that he was the little guy that I've been waiting for, that I had been praying for. Um, I just knew in my heart I didn't have any fear. I knew that we were going to get to keep him. Right. Did you know anything about his – like, you, you know, obviously someone uh, – you know, a child who is going into the foster system, there's always a story there. and. And like you said that Owen has older siblings and, you know, there's, there's a history with his mother of needing to put children into the foster system. Were you concerned at all about any of that? Were you worried about what effect that might have on him going forward? No, not really. No. He did so well um, with, well, it, it's just a lot easier when you, when you get a baby Right. Um, the transition is so much easier on them. 
versus an older child. Um, they taught us that in class, you know. But um, no, I just honestly, I just felt so much peace about everything. I really, I can't say that I was worried about anything. It just felt right. It just felt right. Yeah. That's fantastic when things just click in that way. And um, and especially with your story after having tried for so many years and gone through all the painful treatments, like you said, and and almost giving up in a way that, you know, accepting that that might not happen for you, getting to a place where you do have a baby and, and mm-hmm. it's your baby and it's, you know, you're starting your family, that must be really liberating. Yes, yes. So I, I, like I said, I watched your testimony, um, which is a, a YouTube video that you put up telling your story. Uh, and I am going to link it in the show notes uh, for anyone who wants to hear it straight from you and, and see you tell this story. One of the things that you mentioned um, going backwards a little bit in your timeline is that your situation really started to affect your husband's faith uh, yeah. and that he had, he had told you at one point that he is, you know, I'm, I'm done with church. I don't believe in this anymore. God wouldn't do this to us. And, and, and I'm done. And in that time, you really took it upon yourself to keep prayer in the house was the phrase that you used. What that responsibility, you know, I, I also come from, from a religious background. I'm, I'm Orthodox Jewish and I, and I grew up going to shul and, and all of that. Um, and I think a big part of the reason why I am still a committed and religious person is not only because it's what I grew up in, but it's also because my husband is, you know, also grew up in the faith and, and is also committed to uh, having a Jewish home going forward. And if he, you know, told me one day, I'm done, this is not something that I want to do anymore, I don't know that I would have reacted in the same way that you did. Um, I don't know that I would be able to take on that, I don't want to use the word burden, but it's the only one that's coming to my mind now, maybe the responsibility. Um, I don't know that I would be able to take on the responsibility of keeping God in the home the way that I envisioned it. I mean, you are still married, so you figured it out. What was that time like for you? And what made you decide, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to stay with this man and we're going to figure this out. Yeah, that, that was a very, very hard time. Um, I think I mentioned in my video, um, the, the day that we sat down and talked and he told me that he was, he was finished with church and he was, you know, he was hurt and it was very hard for me not to be mad at God as well. Um, you know, point our fingers at him and say, why us? You know, we tried our best to, you know, to go to church and we waited until we were married and just, it seemed like, you know, this should be, this should work out for us. And it was very hard not to get mad at God as well. But, um, another thing that I mentioned in my video was I, I went to church all my life, but I never had that relationship with God. And it wasn't until I faced infertility that I actually started developing um, this close bond with God. And this part of the story was rough, you know, when my husband stopped going and I remember driving the church in my car all by myself, just crying, like, you know, 
why this? Like, this is a terrible timing. You know, now I feel alone. <laughs> um, but you, you have, you have to stay focused, you know, and I, and I just, I really felt like in, in prayer, and I've actually had a couple of people just tell me like, you know, if you just stay focused and um, you put God first, he's going to be faithful to you. And um, during that time, I prayed extra hard for my husband and it took a fight. It wasn't anything easy. You know, if there's other ladies out there listening to this and they're kind of in the same boat, you have to fight. You have to get on your knees daily and you have to, you know, I also mentioned in my video, I think um, there have been times where I prayed over my house. I, my husband will be asleep in bed and I would pray over him and he didn't even know it. And I just honestly refuse to let the devil win. Right. When, when you take on that, it, it takes a really strong person to take on that kind of responsibility. Um, and I think it takes a really insightful person to say, you know, this is something hard that you're going through now. We're, we're both going through this. We're both going through it together. And, and I'm, and I'm going to give you that space to, to, to have those feelings. Did you ever consider getting divorced? Oh, absolutely not. That's, we don't even, we don't even use that word in our house, honestly. Like we, when we got married, it was forever. And it was just, this is just something that we had to face, unfortunately. But um, God had, he's always been faithful to us. Despite our shortcomings, despite our feelings of hurt and anger. Um, he has, he's protected our home in so many different ways. Right. That's, that's incredible. Let's go back to happier things. Tell me about Owen. What's his favorite things? Uh, well, he loves to learn. He, uh, he started kindergarten last year. Oh no, uh, you've been homeschooling during pandemic. <laughs> he, yeah, he got sent home, you know, when all that happened. So we had to do some schooling at the house. So we got that finished up. He's going into first grade. Uh, but he loves to learn. I mean, it's just unbelievable. He would rather sit there and learn math questions and play with his toys. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> Good for you. You that. never have to fight with him to do his homework. Are there people in your community who, you know, you mentioned that there were other people in your church who had adopted. And so have you been able to find kind of a tribe of other, um, of other moms with adopted children and, and form a group around them? Or do you deal a lot with like weird stares or things like that? Um, the couples that we knew that adopted were actually a lot older than us. Um, but as far as ladies around my age, um, I have quite a bit of friends that are going through the infertility stage. And some of them are starting to look into foster to adopt. And I've been able to kind of help guide them. And if they have questions, you know, I answer. Um, but I'm, I'm so thankful. That's one of the things like during the time of all this, I didn't understand it because I was the only one going through it at, you know, at that point in life. But now I've been able to, to come in contact with so many young ladies that's my age. And I've been, been able to just give them hope. Like, look, there's more that you can do. You don't have to, you know, just accept that you can't have children. You could still become a mother. 
and you will forget that you adopted that child. You know, you, you will fall in love. You will forget that you did not give birth. And um, so I'm able to give that type of input to the ladies. Um, and that's something that you never had. Correct. Yeah. That I just must feel fantastic. Yes. It's been, it's been a blessing to be able to encourage the ladies and just, you know, um, just, just encourage them and give them hope, I guess I should say. What would you say to someone who is maybe in the middle of treatment now or has um, exhausted their options, is finishing treatment and, and might be thinking about foster to adopt? I, I would at least look into it, you know, talk to your spouse about it and see, see what they think. Um, it, it's not anything easy, you know, and you have to kind of put your heart on the line um, and just look at all the aspects of fostering to adopt and stuff, but it's so worth it. I mean, when you get to, you know, adopt a baby and they're there forever, it was worth all the pain, all the, all the classes, all of the interviews that we've had to do where they basically know every single thing about you. Uh, it's worth it. You know, just take a step of faith, pray about it. Um, and just, and just try it. That's fantastic. What would, um, if you could, what, what would you tell yourself? You know, if you could talk to yourself, maybe right when you're going to those first doctor's appointment, um, or as you're going through treatments, what are, what, what do you wish you knew them? What would you tell a younger Carrie? I would probably say, just don't stress out so much about it. Um, I just, I'm the type of person when I want something done, I want it now, you know, I wanted children then. Um, but just, just relax. Um, see what the doctor has to say. If you want to go through those treatments first, you know, just do it, but don't get so uptight that you can't enjoy your life now. Um, there's so many blessings all around us. I mean, family, health, um, jobs right now with this pandemic, they're all blessings and there's so much to be thankful for, you know, um, just, just don't put your entire focus on having children, do what you can do, step back and let God do the rest. Wow. That is, I think that that's kind of a great advice for almost any situation. Take a deep breath, do what you can do and, you know, let God fill in the blanks. Yeah. That's Wow. Thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing your story today, Carrie. Um, can we, I want to take a couple minutes and I want to talk about what it is that, that you do, because uh, the way that we met was actually professionally. Um, oh, so yeah. tell me a little bit about Skirts and Heels. Yeah, um, I started the blog, I want to say five or six years ago. Um, I've always loved fashion. I've always loved putting outfits together. And, uh, when I first started, I would just go in my closet and I'd grab, pull down some outfits. I'd, I would, um, lay them out on my floor and do flat lays. <laughs> and, um, like all good be, bloggers. Yeah. I didn't want to be seen on social media. I'm like, I can't put my face out there. <laughs> I was just kind of scared, you know, at first, but that's how it started. Um, I started getting followers and then I kind of started showing my face a little bit more and, you know, um, trying to just get out there and get some, um, some collaborations and different stuff like that. And it kind of just took off and 
um, I'm loving it. It's been a lot of fun. I've been able to collab with um, Owen. He's had a couple and yeah. He's so cute, by the way. (laughs) Oh, thank you. He's really adorable. Anyone who wants to see a really adorable, gorgeous baby, go to Carrie's page and just (laughs) drool because he's, he's an adorable, beautiful boy. So what is, what is something that you hope to accomplish with your blog? Do you just want it to be a fun space? Do you want it to um, put light onto the world? Talk to me about what are, what are things that you want it to do? Um, I just, I love um, to inspire ladies, honestly. Um, I, even as a, like a super young teenager, whatever, um, my mom, she always taught me to dress modest, you know, to cover up, but I always had in the back of my mind, like, you can still look modest, you can, and you can still look fashionable, you know, and that was kind of my whole inspiration to start my blog, just to kind of give girls ideas for outfits, um, just to inspire them, you know, you can, you can still feel beautiful and cover up, you know. Amen. Yes, that's the, I think that it's so great also, um, particularly, because I think that when you exist in a certain religious group you kind of assume that there 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 can sometimes be an othering feeling of like in there's there's me and there's my friends and there's my group and then there's just the rest of the world um that -hmm. maybe doesn't believe what I do or, or doesn't act the way that I do and I think that it's really hard to lose sight of the fact that among all of these groups uh particularly among among religious groups we have so much more in common than we think Mm -hmm. we do. Um, And dress is one of those spaces where it just becomes so obvious. I've had the opportunity to work with people across all religious sectors. Um, You know, I'm I'm Jewish, you're Christian, and we both dress pretty similar. Um, And and that's been really great to see that work translate across so many different spaces. And And it's really great. I think that you are such a light unto what uh, just your your page is just a wonderful positive space um and when I first saw Owen I thought I have to hear more about this story because this is such you have you have a really intentional approach to the way that you tell the story and and I'm really really thankful for you to you for for coming on and sharing it uh the if somebody wants to be in touch with you uh, or learn more about you Carrie where can they go uh they can go to skirts underscore and heels on Instagram. And then um, my YouTube page is Carrie Mount. They can reach me there as well. Um, and then I, ha- I can leave my email address. And that's skirts underscore and heels underscore one at yahoo.com. Awesome. And I'm going to put all of that in the show notes. And if anyone wants to uh, be in touch with Carrie, then they can uh, go there. The last thing that I want to ask you is what I ask everyone who comes on the show. And that is to you, Carrie, what does it mean to make an impact? just to be yourself. Um, don't be, don't try to be anyone else. Be who God created you to be. You're going to be your happiest. Um, you're going to glow and you just, you just have to realize that you're here for a reason. Um, and trust God and his timing in your life and you'll do just fine. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on today, Carrie. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Carrie, all of her links are in the show notes along with any other items we mentioned in our conversation. There you'll also find links to the most comfortable mask and at-home activities perfect for quarantine, some of which are free, all of which are high fashion. 
the sign up to get the secrets your tailor won't tell you is also in the show notes. Access all of that by swiping up on the cover art or going to impactfashionnyc.com. To hear more episodes, be sure to subscribe. If you enjoyed this episode and want to help more people hear it, leave a review or a quick rating. They make my day. The episode art was designed by Michelle Moses, original music composed by Nissan Fetman. This episode was produced and hosted by me, Rifki Itzkowitz. Catch me on Instagram and Facebook at impact.fashion.nyc. As always, here's to making an impact together.